As we read through the Gospels this year as the MyBridge family, one of the stories that we are becoming familiar with is the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil. Now, Pastor Mike Novotny uses that parable to help us understand how God uses small things to bring about growth in our lives. Now, this morning on MyBridge, we are going to be revisiting a conversation with Mike, who serves with Time of Grace Ministry in Wisconsin and is the author of What's Big, Start Small. Mike, welcome to the Morning Conversation. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, before we get to know you as an author, we want to get to know you a little bit as a follower. So was faith always a part of your life? Oh, yeah. I was super blessed. I can't remember a single day of my existence where I didn't know that it was all about Jesus. Mm. I'm really grateful my mom and my dad both go to my church now, but when I was growing up, it was just my mom. So mom, uh, just great Christian mom, humble, behind the scenes kind of person, but just, you know, got me rooted in good soil. Mm. So good church, preach the gospel every Sunday. So I kind of got the bug for ministry later in life, but I really started with faith from the earliest days. Yeah. So obviously your faith kind of grew along the way. At what point would you say, man, this is when Jesus really lit up my life, became really, really real. And my love for him just went far beyond anything that I was just experiencing merely as a kid growing up in a Christian home. Yeah. I had moments of like kind of spiritual enlightenment like that, but I, I can't say it was like, you know, level two faith and then right. boom, you know, one, one, there's some booming voice. Yeah. For me, it was just this slow, almost like the law of the garden. You know, yeah. there was no day where there was a foot of growth, but mm. just slowly getting connected, good pastors and mm. challenged me, pushed me to read more Bible and with more Bible came more faith. So, so good. Uh, yes, it's been a journey, but a slow, steady journey for me that I'm grateful for. So Mike, how did God lead you into the pastorate? Growing up, I always wanted to either be a professional soccer player <laughs> or going to business, going to business like my dad and my brother. So yeah, I, I don't offend the Nebraska audience, but w- there were Badgers, both of them. I was going to be a Badger, go to Madison. Mm. I was all set, and I was reading through my Bible. My pastor challenged me as a kid, so huh. I'm I'm reading every chapter in a notebook, checking it off, and I get to Mark chapter eight, verse thirty six, mm. and with a single verse, God hard right turned my whole life. Wow. So what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yeah, and yet give up his soul? Yeah. Uh, for some about that, I was thinking how many people are, you know, chasing a career, they're chasing the family, they're chasing the perfect yard and club sports. And they're, they're forgetting that God is a billion times better than this. You know, one day in his courts mm. is better than a, a thousand, thousand of the best days on earth. Mm-hmm. That was my moment. Like I should tell people that God is better than they think he is. Mm. So that, that was a moment for me. Have you regretted it since that time when you made that decision and you following Jesus already, but I'm going to serve him with my whole heart, my whole life? Yeah, maybe a sophomore year of college when I'm taking Latin class and Greek <laughs> class and Hebrew class and Spanish <laughs> class at the same time, <laughs> memorizing a, a million verbs. This was before like the computer technology right. did all of that for you. Yeah. So maybe a, a glimpse then, but I'm, you know, I'm pretty grateful. I've served two really great churches, hmm. super supportive people, had, had some hard times. I've yeah. uh, been through some of the, the fire too, but I've never really gotten to that point of burnout or wanting to quit. So I've had a great ministry. Yeah. So what's the size of your church? Yes. Yeah, so I'm one campus of a two campus church that has about 2,700 people. Yeah. And you got a media ministry that goes out to how many people each week? Yeah. So media ministry is called Time of Grace. Yep goes around the globe, around the country, and we, we reach about five to six million people a month. Could you ever have imagined, as you were even thinking about going into this space, and you, you know, author, so who knows how many people got reached through the books that you've written. It's 
pretty sobering place to be at. It's crazy to think about. In John 4, I'm not sure if you know the passage where Jesus says, sometimes there's a one person who sows and another who reaps and, and they're glad together. Yeah. So I feel like that. I wasn't the one who started the media ministry. I was kind of handed this massive platform to share the gospel with people. Mm. So it, it's kind of cool to reach that many people, but you can't take credit for it. Yeah. So you're humbled. You're happy about it. I'm trying not to mess it up. Mike, I understand that you're a ferocious reader. Was your passion to read the seed that eventually produced your desire to write yourself? No, that kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> I, I wasn't always a reader until like, I'm super competitive. I think that's what God got me. And I had a seminary professor who the more pages you read, hmm. the more points you got in the grade book. <laughs> and that was really the moment where I just started like tearing into books. So yeah. I, was it ego that God used to get? <laughs> he used it all. Yeah. And uh, just getting connected to Time of Grace. They've always had a passion to to write books. Um, you know, you put stuff on the online world and it definitely helps people in a powerful way, but sometimes sure. a book can linger on someone's shelf and make a, a longer term impact. So I love doing that. They encourage me to do that. So hmm. that's been the path. Yeah. So Mike, let's talk about your latest book. What's big starts small. So it's an interesting title. Can you kind of unpack the title itself for us? Yeah. So the whole book is about uh, a single story that Jesus told the parable of the sower and the title is kind of based off of the insane, almost unbelievable potential of a tiny bit of God's word. You know, imagine if you had never seen how it, an oak tree grew and I showed you the seed that it came from. Wow. You would say, no, come on, man. I, I bet you that can't happen. Right. So what's so, so big in the natural world starts so, so small. And Jesus loved to say, yeah. And God's word is like that. You know, I think about people who have a life verse. Hmm. I'm not sure if you have one of those, you know, you don't need to know the whole Bible. You don't yeah. need to memorize every single Psalm. Sometimes one, the Lord is my shepherd or hmm. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst or in all things, God is working for the good. Hmm. Like sometimes one, one little truth, a half of a verse can grow into the source of comfort and hope and forgiveness and hmm. grace. So that's what the title came from. Like, Hey, if you hmm. think small thoughts about the Bible or going to church or listening to Christian radio or podcasts, like Stop it. Because Jesus says what you hear next Sunday, what you hear this morning on the on the radio might grow into something bigger than you would ever believe. Well, so life verse, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain if it's in the Lord. Yeah. You got one? I love it. I do. So I, um, by God's grace, escaped an addiction. Hmm. And uh, Romans 5 verse 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hmm. So the death of Christ isn't for good people or not so sinful people, like at the bottom, that's where Jesus reaches us. So that's always meant the world to me. Mike, as you wrote your book, What's Big Starts Small, how did it impact you, right? So you're diving into that parable of the sower. You're doing some deep work. You're writing your thoughts. I love that saying that thoughts tend to disentangle themselves when they pass through the lips and through the fingertips, right? So mm -hmm. you've got thoughts oh. that are kind of disentangling. What impact has the book had on your own life? Yeah, it's actually about this little pack of seeds. Uh. In the parable of the sower, Jesus basically says, here's two things you need to know. Number one, God's little word can grow into something big like a seed. And just like a seed can get snatched up by a bird or scorched by the Nebraska sun or mm -hmm. choked out by a bunch of weeds, the same thing can happen to the Bible. Mm -hmm. Just because you hear it, just because you go to church does not mean you're going to have this big, great, unbelievable faith. There's real threats to it. And the one threat, you know, for your question, what impacted me the most? So I got this pack of tomato seeds I'm holding in my hand yeah. on the front of the package, these big vine ripened red 
juicy tomatoes. And on the back of the package are the tips that the expert tomato growers give you. Like if you want this thing on the front, let me tell you how to do it on the back. Hmm. Well, did you know about half of the directions on the back of this pack of seeds are exactly about what half of Jesus' story is about in the Hmm. parable of the sower? What Jesus talks about Almost half the time, like I think three of the six threats that he lists to great faith are about the space that God's word needs to grow in our life. You know, you think of a seed, you don't go to a garden to dump a five gallon bucket of seeds into a hole and say, well, there you go. (laughs) Like, no, you actually have to space those seeds pretty far apart Mm. and you have to put the rows farther apart than you think, because if that seed is going to, you know, get down roots suck in the moisture and the nutrients, it needs a, it actually needs a ton of space. Yeah. And so I can learn that about life, that if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to read every book, if I'm trying to volunteer mm. for everything, if I'm trying to get my kids in this sport and piano lessons and drum lessons, and if I'm going to show up to this person's birthday party, and if I'm going to say yes to this wedding, like it's not bad stuff, but listen, you can hear a great seed of God's truth on Sunday but if there's no space in your schedule from Monday to Saturday, that's not going to grow. Wow. Yeah. And we think busyness is a sign of blessedness, but th- it's just not true. Yeah. Grace needs space, right? Mm. That's really Ooh, good. Why couldn't I put that in the book? I <laughs> yeah, you you should have talked to me earlier. <laughs> oh, man. That just, that just came out of you, didn't it? Oh, that's a humbling word right there. You, you came up with something better than I did after weeks of working on a book. It's <laughs> so good. So, Mike, you talk about six threats to healthy growth of our faith coming out of the parable of the sower. So, out of those six, which one would you say might be the most surprising? Ooh. So, I list them as pride, pain, worries, wealth, wants, and not waiting. I do think the surprising one, kind of what I was talking about before, Jesus says sometimes the want or the desire of other things Mm. is what stunts your growth. It's like, thorns that choke out the seed. It doesn't die. You don't lose your faith. It just doesn't mature and doesn't bear tons of fruit. And I love the fact that he didn't say, you know, the desire for bad things. We sometimes think, well, you got to throw off sin and get yes. it out of your life and then you're going to be great. But no, sometimes it's, you're trying to do too many other things, too many good things. Hmm. Um, Jesus in the Greek of the story, Jesus actually uses a word that he uses in the story of Mary and Martha. When he talks about the worries of yep. this life, he yep. said, you know, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things, but you only need one thing. All right. So it's his way of saying, well, I love the story because it's Jesus permission. It's okay to slow down. You're not a bad person. If you don't say yes to every invitation, mm-hmm. you're not a terrible parent. If your kid isn't like the best on the football team, if you're making spiritual decisions to have space in your schedule to not just hear the word, but meditate on it, pray about it and put it into practice. Practice, that's what grows really great faith. So don't feel bad about clearing out your schedule so you actually have space to grow the seed of God's truth. Well, it's so interesting, Mike, from what you're talking about there, because, you know, the desire for other things. Well, we live in the world where we have access to all kinds of things. Like, I mean, we're exploding with things that uh, can distract us. So, yes, yes, you're, you're spot on. I, I list for what I considered like kind of the top four other things that get in the way, Mm -hmm. shows, sports, news, and apps, (laughs) because they're never ending. Yes. Right? When I grew up, you'd watch a show and then you'd wait 167 hours for next week's episode. (laughs) No more. Or you get the newspaper in the morning and you could read the whole thing, but then it would be done. And now every time I go to the bathroom, I'm scrolling, scrolling on the news. Latest thing. Right? You have to be honest about it. You have to be aware of it. And you have to make bold choices for the sake of your faith. Mike, again, out of those six threats that you talk about in your book, those threats to healthy growth, is there one that you would say is the most pervasive? So the, the first two kind of work together, pride and pain. Um, pride is 
Jesus calls it when you don't understand the word because you really don't want to. It's like a hardened path, he said, and the seed falls and the bird just snatches it up and it doesn't do anything. I consider that, you know, if there's probably a topic that I could bring up that someone listening thinks, I really don't want to understand that. You know, if I said, all right, here's what the Bible says about how we can honor the governing authorities that we disagree with. Some people think, I, I, no, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> hey, everyone, let me tell you what it means for wives to submit to their husbands. Let's have a sermon on Ephesians 5. Some, some ladies are like turning the channel. Hey, husbands, we're going to talk to you about no matter how your wife is respecting you or not, how to be sacrificially loving just like Jesus is to you. Get your pen out, take some notes. Hey, everyone, we're going to talk to you about biblical budgeting, how you can give more money to the poor and be content with less stuff. Like, There's a bunch of topics where we're, you know, we kind of cross our arms a little bit and we could understand it if we had a humble heart. And I think in our culture, especially where our feelings and my truth and being my authentic self, I think that threat was always a threat and the Pharisees are the proof. But now where you know, what I feel trumps what God says. That's kind of our culture. It's sad to think that sometimes God's seed doesn't even stand a chance. Like the devil snatches it up before it even gets considered in our heart or in our soul. Mike, if somebody is listening this morning and as they evaluate their faith and the growth of their faith, they go, stunted, like not flourishing, not producing that multifold that the Bible talks about, that Jesus talks about, Um, what would you say would be a baby step to begin to press into maybe getting at the wise? Yeah, it would be beyond shameful to say, you should (laughs) read read my book. book. (laughs) 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 Amazon.com. No. um, Yeah. So here's, here's a challenge and here's a comfort. The challenge is Jesus is doing us this great favor. You don't have to buy my book. Just read Jesus' original version Mm -hmm. because Jesus is going to help you figure out what's getting in the way. So if I'm planting a garden in my backyard and it's not growing, I'm going to go examine it. And I'm going to say, is this, is the soil dry? Have I let the weeds get the best and it's choking things out? Are there bugs or, you know, bunnies that are getting, I'd figure out what the problem was. And then I'd come up with a solution to fix it. So I think that's the challenge. There's some work for us to do. The comfort, and I didn't really grasp this until after diving deep into this parable, but you know, Jesus is talking about all these different kinds of soils where the seed lands. But then when he picks the title for the parable, he doesn't call it the parable of the soils. He himself gives it the name, the parable of the sower. The sower. And and you think, wait, like the sower is not the it's not the main point of this story. Like that's some he threw the seed and then he's gone. But Jesus says, No, 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 this this whole thing. Don't forget about the sower, right? Don't forget about the God who doesn't just chuck seed and then walk away. Mm-hmm. Instead, he gives us his spirit so that we can repent of our failures. He gives us the spirit to fix our eyes on Jesus, to know that there's absolute forgiveness right now for what we've done wrong. He gives us the spirit so that we have a spirit of power instead of timidity, one of self-control. Like I, I can make, the, I'm not helpless. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And so Jesus, like, I mean, he, he slaps us in the face and wakes us up and challenges us. Maybe you're not growing because... You're just letting your garden get out of control. And then he says, but don't don't panic, don't despair, because there's a great father who is a great gardener, and he cares so much about connecting you to me and to his spirit. So good. Love that. Mike, I mean, we went through some dramatic disconnection from community mm-hmm. that obviously our adversary would love to see that maintain, continue. 
And, uh, you know, there's this beautiful thing that we talked about earlier of the media, multimedia world and how you can get messages out and from the comfort of your own home, you can kind of engage with great content. But man, that does not replace true physical yes. together connection. Yes. And uh, so I guess I'd love for you to kind of speak into that space a little bit. And how, how good and how pleasant it is mm. when brothers and sisters live well, together mm-hmm. in unity. Um, that is such a good thing. I, yep, obviously, I'm grateful for media ministry and the, the millions of people you can connect with. But sometimes I don't know how to pastor a person if I can't <laughs> read their nonverbals. Mm-hmm. So when I have a friend in the room, if, if I just text him from a distance, how are you doing? Good. But he's going to hear the tone of my voice if we're in the room together. He's going to be like, are you though? <laughs> so it, it's work. I think devices can be a blessing and the devil can take that blessing and twist it into a curse. Hmm. So yeah, I, I love your focus. Let's just not forget it supplements. It doesn't supplant, hmm. you know, it reinforces, it doesn't replace. So but let's just be really, really sure we don't need a million people or a thousand people just have two, three, four, a small group of people that know us, love us, check in with us grab coffee. It's an excuse to have brunch, right? That's what community is. It's God's excuse for us to eat bacon. So (laughs) yeah, leverage it. Uh, We need it more than ever. Well, Mike, this has been a really good time together this morning. Thank you so much for helping us to think a little bit deeper about the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil. And thanks for spending the morning with us today. Me too. Thanks for having me.